Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the 246th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And dart route across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, Matt? You completely undersold where you are. You're uh, you're coming live from the couch. You look like it. It looks like a photo shoot the way you're the way you're posing and sitting uh, in front of this camera here. So, uh, but glad to be here. Hope you guys had a great Christmas. Hope you guys. Uh, this has been the first time I've exchanged with uh, gifts with people outside of my family in quite some time. Uh, so, hope you guys enjoyed your Christmas gifts, and uh, hope you guys had a great Christmas. And I'm I'm glad to be back. I don't know about you guys. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to be smoking a lot of meat in the near yeah, future. Coach got a pretty killer grill that I am quite jealous of for Christmas. Sponsored by Tito's, apparently. Oh, I like it. I Bought like it, it used off of uh, Bicel Trade. So oh, it had I like a Tito's it. plaque on it. So Hey, man, listen, I'm here for if, it. It, if the price is right, the price is right. But we can't get started without the third amigo in the second city. A man who is disappointed that Chuck Norris is not starring in the reboot of Walker, Texas Ranger. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. I don't even know what to say to that. I mean, a 90s classic coming back. Why uh, Why mess with the hits? <laughs> well, I don't know if uh, an 80-something-year-old Chuck Norris these days is able to roundhouse kick with the same speed and ferocity that he was at his heyday in about 1994. Yeah, but he could play the CD character. But then... but. <sighs> But his name is Walker. I mean, he, I don't know if he can come back into the Walker-verse. As, he could have had a son. It could be Walker Jr. But he didn't have a son in the original. That's the thing. He had a kid. But that that that, that kid would not be of the appropriate age now, I don't think, because like, him and the DA like didn't get together until like later <laughs> on in the series. That would make the kid like 20, 21 right now, maybe. Yeah. And so... And uh, and like this guy in the in the reboot has already it's like a it's like kind of like a prequel almost because <laughs> it's like his wife has died and he ha- I don't know it, it it looks interesting nonetheless it is a CW show I'm not really the target audience for the CW as mm. a 35 year old man they're usually looking for someone about uh, they're usually looking at a, a a female who's about 15 years younger than me but hey uh, I'm definitely going to be watching it that's all I can say there you go so. Um, before we get into our uh, our mid bowl season bowl preview, uh, <laughs> we want to remind you guys that we are sponsored here at Illegal Motion by BetOnline.ag. The NBA and college basketball are back, and while NFL and college football playoffs are right here, all the sports going on, plenty of bets to lock in right now. So whether you're thinking about the Lakers to repeat as NBA champs, uh, looking at someone to upset Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, in the in the NFL playoffs, you need to head on over to betonline.ag. Uh, Coach, I'm going to ask you, uh, going to go a little NFL here really quickly. Uh, who do you like in the playoffs that's not the Chiefs? Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? No, I like the Green Bay Packers. After the effort they showed, um, and it, it seemed like an effortless beatdown of the Titans uh, in Sunday Night Football, 
Um, Aaron Rodgers is playing MVP style football, MVP caliber football. I don't think there's anybody in the AFC outside of the Bills that have a legitimate shot at upsetting the Chiefs. Uh, but on the other side of the bracket from the NFC, I think the Packers are going to be the representative in the Super Bowl, and I think they have a legitimate shot. Josh, how about you? Well, I think that uh, we saw Tampa Bay kind of come on here a little bit as of late. The wily old Tom Brady. Don't ever want to count them out. Uh, feels weird to say. But, yeah, I think if you're looking for a team other than the Chiefs, Coach took the one that I wanted to do with the Packers, so I kind of scramble a little bit. Well, you guys all know that <laughs> with the Bucks. You guys all know that I'm a Bills fan, so I'm gonna. We don't want to jinx your Bills. No, well, I do not want to jinx my it. Bills. I'm not. I'm not saying anything at all. The Ravens have looked strong the lately. Jets are surging. <laughs> I think they're ineligible, but hey, you know, if they were in the playoff, you wouldn't want to count them out right now. They've won two in a row. If the NFL playoffs were being done like the college football bowls, the Jets would uh, be available for a bowl game. Yeah, but then they would end up playing like the Carolina Panthers <laughs> in a completely meaningless game. Like the one that's going on right now, the Dukes-Mayo Bowl between Wake Forest and Wisconsin, going on as we speak. So one of the many reasons I'm sitting here on my couch is so I can multitask, record the podcast, and watch the Badgers just look absolutely horrendous against the demon deacons speaking so, of bowls I, I did the uh bet online bowl mania uh free contest it's a ten thousand dollar free contest you pick some bowl games uh against the spread um if if it goes anything like my picks go this year i'll probably be out of it really quickly so um just uh, just so you know there all right. Well, no matter who your team is uh, or what game you want to pick, from game spreads to totals, team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else online. Plus, there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. I know you guys are blackjack players. So head on over to betonline.ag today to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag to sign up today. Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts. Guys, we're about a week into bowl season, week and a half into bowl season even, um, here recording on uh, Wednesday, the 30th of December, as Wake Forest uh, just hits another 30-yard completion to some random white guy. Um, have any of the bowls that have been played so far jumped out at you? Uh, I know for me, BYU again looked fantastic, and it is making Zach Wilson's stock absolutely soar here, uh, leading up to the NFL draft. But Josh, have any of the games stood out to you? Well, uh, three games, uh, two more with their outcomes, and the third more about the the quality of play and um, the excitement of the game. So, the first two, just in terms of the outcomes. Uh, Hawaii's win over Houston, our man, the Bluetooth, Todd Graham, over 500 and won a bowl in a strange season. Thought uh, thought he did some good work out there on the island. Yeah, that was a little surprising. I mean, we haven't seen or, or heard much about him since his time at Arizona State, and I was a little bit down on that signing. I thought he was someone whose tactics wouldn't necessarily work at Hawaii, and he did a, a very nice job. Obviously not the biggest story in the Mountain West. That would be San Jose State, but he he's done yeah. a, a really under-the-radar, a marvelous job there uh, taking over for Nick Rolovich. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because Wake Forest just scored an absurd touchdown. Um, the other game that caught my eye was uh how about the state of georgia coach's uh homeland 
Georgia Southern rolled, but also Georgia State, a, a team that just not the the strongest football power, to say the least. Obviously not a power even in their own small conference. But Sean Elliott really has some nice stuff brewing there. This is their third bowl in his four years, second bowl win in his career down there. Uh, he's improved the program to 22 and 25, 14 and 18 in the Sun Belt. I'm curious what Georgia State looks like here next season. If this is a, a springboard for them, they're 13 and 10 over their last two seasons. Uh, could this Georgia State Panther team finally be uh, moving in the right direction? That'd be awesome to see. And then finally, the third game. Uh, I think all of us absolutely love this one. The absurdity that was the Liberty Coastal Carolina game, the overtime thriller. Um, you know, Coastal started extremely slow. They were down 14 nothing. Uh, they looked like a team that honestly felt like they'd gotten ripped off. And they're like, why are we not in a premier bowl game? Why are we pay playing in the FBC Mortgage Cure Bowl against an unranked team? And for Liberty, this was their chance. They they had Coastal earlier on the schedule and didn't get to play. Um, I thought the bowl announcers uh, and ESPN had a really good package showing the history of this rivalry. I guess I didn't realize that they were Big South rivals. Um, and that's kind of carried over here to FBS level. Um, so Liberty came out really hungry, jumped out to a 14-0 lead, and then Coastal came roaring back. Um, and then Liberty looks like they're going to go and win the game. And uh, as the running back is trying to kneel down and set up a field goal, uh, the tight end for Liberty had a little brain fart and decided, I'm going to shove my running back into the end zone, Bush push style, uh, led to a fumble. Coastal recovered and that forced overtime. Um, but the, you know, the long story short of this game, as exciting as it was, uh, Coastal just didn't play enough defense in this game. They gave up 475 yards. Um, yes, they had three takeaways, but... Uh, they weren't able to convert those into enough points, obviously. They dug themselves that two-touchdown hole. And we've talked about them a little bit, but it's been a while since because Liberty had kind of a strange end of their season with some games being canceled. But uh, Malik Willis, the Liberty quarterback, is... He's absurd, gentlemen. He's someone you'd like to have in the video game. He had 220 passing yards and 137 rushing yards and generated four touchdowns, all of them rushing. Um, he's just a total difference maker, and it's it's weird to see our man Grayson McCall be outplayed in the game, but um, in many ways I think he was. But that was one hell of a game. That's going to be tough to top. Yeah, too bad they're not making a video game anymore, Coach. True. Nope. Uh, both, By the way, both teams should be ranked in the final poll. There's no reason for Coastal to fall out no. of this. No. Uh, one thing that, that just jumped off the page at me, Conference USA, not exactly a banner season. They went 0-5 in bowl games. Ooh. Well, the the big surprise, of course, would have been Marshall. Um, Doc Holliday's record in bowl games is incredible. Um, we talked about them a little bit, I think, our last show, where their freshman quarterback just hit that freshman wall, and their offense was stuck in neutral, and they couldn't do anything the last three or four weeks of the season. Anything stick out to you, Coach? 
I mean, he took the uh, he hit the nail on the head with uh, with the Liberty Coastal game that, that decision at the end of the game. Just get in the end zone and let your defense go to work. I mean, come on, I hate this whole just score and you avoid those situations. Uh, you avoid the bush push. This, well, the, or if you want to kneel it down, just have your quarterback kneel it down. Yeah, or yeah. I mean, why give? I mean, your running back's instincts. He gets the ball. He's going to move forward. He's going to try to. Uh, it just, just all of it was just awful. Uh, the the way that ended for for they they just out, out they outthought themselves and they got bailed out. Fortunately for for if you're a Liberty fan or you're, you're a member of that program, they 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 ended up victorious. But um, also Georgia State. Uh, that that Co- game stood out to Coach, me. Would, would you say that the football gods were on Liberty's side? They were. I like your pun. Freezes, uh, freezes prayed to himself. <laughs> um, also, the, uh, the 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 Georgia State game uh, stood out to me just just to see Georgia State um, in, in a situation where they are um, successful. I, I think that's going to be good. Um, they, I mean, they really have no reason not to be They're in the middle of Atlanta. Atlanta's so big now that they can get the, the third and fourth leftovers, um, from, you know, Georgia, Georgia tech, Kennesaw. I mean, they could, they could compete with Kennesaw state for recruits and still be successful. Well, I, There's I would a lot imagine that they, they, they should be beating Kennesaw state for recruits. Kennesaw state's an FCS program. That is true. But Georgia state is still very, well, Kennesaw state is too, but Kennesaw state has a lot of juice in Atlanta. Surprisingly, uh, you'd be surprised how much how much more juice they have than than Georgia State as far as like brand and stuff like that. But well, Georgia I, State's I think the fact that they that. they they have what was formerly Turner Field uh, is also helpful. Mm-hmm. And they've done a good so, job of outfitting that stadium and making it mm-hmm. unique. So well, and really making it theirs, yeah. right? Because yeah. I mean, Georgia State as a university is a pretty young university. It it's is not. It's it's not a very. It's not like it's something that's steeped in tradition <clears throat> by any means. No, and, and so their football tradition is. Doesn't even get out of the 2010s. No, it does. I mean, they're a 10 year old football program. Yeah. And so the fact that go. they're already an FBS program that is competing in bowl games and is impressive, you know, yeah. unto itself. So, and, um, and, and they've always had a good baseball and basketball program. But um, other games that stood out uh, Georgia Southern beating down Louisiana Tech. I didn't, I didn't realize that game was going to be so far, uh, you know, stretched in one direction but hey that's bowl season byu continues to improve or continues to impress uh they just rolled ucf that score is way closer than the game actually was um, app state rolling up on north texas uh hawaii's done a good job buffalo beating marshall uh marshall just i don't know something just didn't seem right with them uh louisiana you uh san antonio that game was a little tighter than i thought it was going to be um, but I'm looking forward to, um, you know, also Texas. That game stood out to me because I didn't think they had 55 points in them. I, I'll, I'll be honest; I was really surprised at that. Yeah, I mean, Bijan Robinson looked like the real deal. And Wisconsin laying an egg right now—that's kind of <laughs> surprising me. Because Wake yeah, Forest it, isn't that great of a team. They're kind of explosive on offense, but they're not. They, they, I mean, they average 37.5 points on offense, but yeah, the but Wisconsin defense ever gives up like 15 a game, and they're going to go over that in the freaking first quarter. Yeah, I mean, so, who, who are they scoring those points on? Syracuse? Uh, Duke? <laughs> North Carolina. Georgia Tech? 53 in a loss to North Carolina. 
yeah, that that was an impressive game. But uh, you know, and they they, they did okay against Clemson. They held their own. But uh, I did was, have an epiphany about those this uh, Wisconsin Bowl game map. I hadn't noticed until now. What's that? It's the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Uh huh. And I was like, that's a new sponsor. What what game did it replace it? Well, it's being played at the Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. I believe this is our old friend, the Belk Bowl. Yeah, it is. <laughs> There we go. It is the former Belk Bowl. Belk, uh, the worst of all the department stores. <laughs> yes. Well, it, it still had my favorite story. The, the kid who part of his bowl package was a, like a gift card to shop at a Belk store. And <laughs> still got caught shoplifting. Yep. <laughs> I remember that a couple of seasons ago. That was fantastic. And by fantastic, I mean just ironic in general. So, what do you think the packet? What do you think the package is for Duke's Mayo? Is it just like some mustard and mayonnaise packets? I would. I would. I mean, I, I hope they at least get some sort of like charcuterie board. Also, full disclosure, Hellman's is the best mayonnaise. In the world. I, they don't even need a bowl game. That's how good they are. Oh, Hellman's far and away. Uh, mayo, my second favorite condiment. Ooh, I think it's my top condiment. Ooh. My, it, it, it's close for me. Uh, spicy brown mustard is number one. But uh, mayo mayo's a little more versatile. I got to go, br- go with ranch and then barbecue sauce for me. Is ranch a is ranch a condiment? I guess I guess salad dressings are condiments. So, yeah. yeah. What, what kind of barbecue sauce, Coach? Ooh. Um, I mean, there's a lot. Of I mean, are we are, are you talking like a are, are we talking like a tomato base, a vinegar base? Like, are we? Oh, know, I'm definitely going tomato based. Okay, definitely going tomato right. based. Yeah. Do you like it thick? Do you like it a little runnier? I like it thick. Nice and thick, like nice a, and like thick. a like a hickory, like, like a, hic- a hickory. tomato based hickory. Yeah. Yeah. Tomato based hickory barbecue sauce. Um, Loveless makes a really good like peach barbecue sauce. Loveless Ooh. Cafe. I can't do the, I can't do the overly sweet barbecue sauces. I'm actually more of a vinegar based man. Yeah, mm. I, I like which barbecue sauce is like the worst to me because it's like just straight water. Mm. Like the vinegar stuff, and I don't like the mustard based. Uh, ones because they no I I don't like either. the I don't Carolina like, Gold you know I love you, you mustard but I don't like mustard based sauce yes what's you that know what? this might be this might be controversial you guys might I love honey mustard me, you guys might kick me off the show for this one but get out if if the cut of the meat is good enough and a really quality cut like some amazing ribs and things like that I would almost rather just have the dry rub. I'll say, appreciate the meat. I'll say oh, this, absolutely. Josh. I'll absolutely. say this, Josh. For me, for me, I, I would always rather do that. Frankly, I like basting it on and creating, adding to that layer of crust on the ribs with the sauce. I don't like slathering it. I don't like picking up like a like a completely doused uh, rib. Um, I like the sauce as like a kind of a crust with the dry rub. Like you, you add it on very late, uh, almost to kind of like lock in everything like I'll, I'll make a i'll make a baste and just and just brush it on right there at the last minute and it makes really good really good crusting on your on your ribs yeah i'm, I'm definitely not I, I i'm definitely not against that i don't like mine overly saucy either you know i mean it, it's it's not so bad being finger licking good but <laughs> I, I i don't want to be just like completely covered in sauce and that being like the only thing i'm tasting i don't want to have to go through a whole roll of paper towels and uh not being able to taste the meat yeah you're exactly yeah. right so um, i love a good dry rub though i if if you if you gave me one if you gave me t- only two options lathered in sauce 
or dry rub, I'm choosing dry rub. Oh yeah, that's not even close. I, there we go. I, I, I'm definitely not a. Uh, I, I'm definitely not someone who wants it lathered no matter what. So I think a lot of people go with the lathered route. Really? Just, I don't yeah, know a ton of people who know. do people that. People are just people are just sauce crazy, man. They they don't they don't mm-hmm. trust the seasonings. They don't trust the rubs. Man, you got it. But here's the thing: like a sauce can only do so much to cover up for a bad cut of meat. You got to have a good cut of meat to begin, mm-hmm. you know, to begin with. And if you have a good cut of meat, you just want the dry rub. You don't. Well, I think I think a lot of people overcook their stuff. I mean, mm, very most famously, true. most famously, uh, didn't Donald Trump say he liked his steaks like well done with ketchup? That is correct. So that ketchup then like lubes up his dry chunk of meat. Yeah, it's absolutely positively <laughs> disgusting. Um, also, a question, uh, also, gentlemen, were we going to talk about any football games? I mean, I, well, I want to throw one more thing. A1 steak sauce, <laughs> possibly the most overrated condiment in the world. Except. I've actually never used Except it. on a Five Guys burger. <clears throat> Go to Five Guys. Let the, here, this will change your life. Go to Five Guys. <laughs> get a get a double cheeseburger with bacon get a double bacon cheeseburger and just put a1 sauce on it thank me later i could also just have like just pure fat just iv'd into my arteries uh, as, <laughs> as as well and probably be just as effective uh little inside joke about five guys uh literally anytime it's mentioned in conversation kristen makes the exact same joke which is uh, I, I'm feeling some Five Guys, and then maybe a hamburger afterwards. <laughs> Heyo! Hey! And it's literally, it's literally every time. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, does get old? I, I, I'm glad your girlfriend is into that. Hey, Graham Mertz completed a pass, by the way. So yeah, it's, it's well, he completed one before that, and it was to an ineligible receiver downfield. So, um, well, I can't help who he's throwing to. It was a nice throw. It's good ball. Yeah. So. Um, let's hop into talking about the upcoming bowl games. Uh, the first of those is the Rose Bowl. That uh, We're going to talk about the two national semifinals and then get into some of the other New Year's Six games. Uh, Rose Bowl, Notre Dame, Alabama. Alabama's about a 20-point favorite in this one, guys. That, that line has dropped to 17.5 now, looks like. Who's putting money on Notre Dame is my question. A lot of people I mean, are loading for, up Notre Dame on the 20, so they, they For a backdoor it. cover, maybe. Yeah. But, I mean... Coach, I mean, is there any chance that Notre Dame can even keep this within two scores? I mean, I don't see it. Uh, if they possess the ball, if they dominate time of possession, uh, there's a chance. But otherwise, no. If, if Alabama's offense on the field, they're scoring. Uh, there's just, I mean, you've got too many weapons. So, no. I, I think it's going to be blowout city. Um and, and I know that a lot of Vandy fans, and I know that for your podcast, you're hoping that Notre Dame does well on defense. But this, I didn't think, he, I, I was saying this, I, I do a show called Coaching Chatter. It's a brand new show um, on the Believe Podcast Network. And we were talking about this game. And, you know, I, I just, you know, you want to see Notre Dame, but you, you want to see them do well if you're a Vandy fan because their defensive coordinator is your new head coach. But I was saying that I didn't think it could get much better than the 2019 LSU offense. Somehow it did. 2020 Bama, I, I think, is is better. Um, and they have three legitimate Heisman contenders on the field at one time with Mac Jones, Najee Harris, and, of course, Devontae Smith, who I think should win the damn thing. Um, if he was the first me. player to – first wide receiver to ever win AP Player of the Year. Yeah. 
and well deserved. I mean, the the guy is the he is the key that makes that engine go. I mean, w- without Devonte Smith, I think you're mixing metaphors there, Coach. But I, who who knows? It, it, it's impressive nonetheless. So no, I don't think there's a chance at all. I, I think it's going to be Alabama in a route. I think it's going to be they might play them tight in the first quarter. You know where they're maybe trying to, I don't know, feel the game out. Maybe maybe Bama starts slow for you know like they did against Arkansas. Maybe there's a chance that there's. But if Notre Dame wants to win this game, they're going to have to do everything against Brian Kelly's coaching philosophy, which is conservative. They're going to have to go as aggressively as possible. They're going to have to steal possessions. They're going to have to do trick plays. They're going to have to. I mean, they're going to have to throw the kitchen sink at Alabama if they want a chance. Josh, how do you feel about this one? Well, you know, I'm, I'm looking over at Alabama's four, quote-unquote, closest games, unquote. And uh, it's the Georgia game, the Florida game, the Ole Miss game, and the Texas A&M. Georgia's the only team that led them at halftime. Yeah. Fun fact. And, yeah. Moral victory. Hashtag moral victory. Coach's favorite. Love him. Uh, And there's a common theme between each of the games, and it's a absurd offensive performance by somebody. Um, For Florida, they had over 400 passing yards, and Kyle Trask went off. Georgia had over 400 passing yards. They went off. Uh, Ole Miss, we know what they're off. Yeah, we, we know what Ole Miss's offense is. I mean, they're crazy. So, long story short, Ian Book is going to have to have the game of his life because I don't think you can necessarily rely on your rushing. And we saw that happen against Clemson, where the Notre Dame Irish running attack was great the first time. Terrible in the ACC title game, and that was one of the major reasons why they lost that game. In the SEC title game, Florida passed for a million yards and ran for about 50. So if you are that coaching staff for Notre Dame, you're going, okay, whatever we get out of the run game is an added perk, but it seems like maybe there's some potential here in the passing game, and that's what they're going to have to rely on. And I'm with Coach. I mean, you're going to throw the kitchen sink at this. You're um, You're going to draw up some passing routes that you haven't done all year. You're going to have some stuff that is not on film in any way to try and catch Alabama off guard a little bit. Um, And even that is going to be a challenge because, as Coach said, when Alabama has the ball, they're scoring. Yeah, and I don't know who on Notre Dame's team is going to be able to beat Patrick Sertan one-on-one. I mean, he's, you know, he's probably the best corner in college football this season and I really don't think that there's anyone on Notre Dame's team who has the requisite game-breaking speed to you know to take advantage of that and to and also in order to do that they're going to have to slow down Alabama's pass rush which is while not maybe at the level it has been in years before is still definitely something that is uh, very serviceable at worst. Yeah. So let's then head over to the Sugar Bowl uh, down in New Orleans. Uh, We got a rematch of Ohio State and Clemson. 
lot of people, a lot of people seem to like Clemson in this one. Ohio State was not exactly at their most impressive during uh, the Big Ten championship game against Northwestern. Trey Sermon did, however, really run over Northwestern in the second half. And personally, I think they're going to need another game like that where they just have to ground and pound because if they try to get in a shootout with Clemson, they don't have the... I don't think that they have the firepower to keep up with Trevor Lawrence. Justin Fields seems to have taken, uh, if not a step back, at least maybe like a step sideways and a little shuffle backwards this season, especially when it comes to his accuracy. He's and, stuck in neutral this year. Yeah, and now one thing for the Ohio, for Ohio State's offense that will be beneficial, though, is that they do get Chris Olave back for this week. And so they won't be able to just uh, completely key in on Garrett Wilson there uh, in terms of Clemson secondary. But, Josh, what do you think Ohio State can do to slow down Clemson's attack, which seems to be peaking just at the right time after that dominant win over Notre Dame? Well, they're going to need to get to Trevor Lawrence. They're going to need to hit him. Um, I think as good athletes as Ohio State has on the field, if you're not getting to the quarterback, it's just a matter of time before there's a breakdown in your coverage or a receiver finds a soft spot if you're running a zone. It's just a matter of time. So they need to get him. They need to get after him. Um, so I, I'm going to put it on the front seven, really, um, to to get the job done. It, and I wanted to circle back, actually, to Justin Fields. That's where I thought you were going to go with your question, Matt. But uh, you look at his stats, and his completion percentage is actually up. But I was like, maybe he just doesn't have as big a play as last year, and that's why he feels off. Well, no, his his average yards is actually up. Well, maybe it's maybe it's he's like having a really bad interception season. Well, he's got five interceptions. He had three last year, so those are up a little bit, but not nothing. Nothing so. alarming. Yeah. So you know he's it's very confusing. So then I went over to the game log. I'm trying to see what he's doing in the game log, and I think this is where some information builds itself. If you look at their biggest games of the year, Northwestern and Indiana, very weird to say that, um, he had two touchdowns and all five of his interceptions. He was sacked eight times in those two games. Um, His completion percentage was 44% against Northwestern, 60% against Indiana. So what I think he's done this year when you really break down his numbers, is he's feasted on some really bad defenses. He had 95% completions against Nebraska, 82% against Penn State, 85% against Rutgers. Um, Two of those three games I just mentioned, he had over 300 yards passing. He front-loaded his stats so much that something changed. The Indiana game, Michigan State game, and Northwestern game He was a totally different quarterback. Um, I don't know if, you know, Indiana sacked him five times. I don't know if one of those hits gave him a little bit of a nagging injury, and he just hasn't been the same since. Um, Maybe he's starting to hear footsteps because he got knocked around by the Hoosiers so much. I don't know what it is, 
But these last three games, he has looked totally different. And that's extremely alarming if you're an Ohio State fan, because no disrespect to Northwestern and Indiana, but Clemson is a different tiger, pun intended. They they got Miles Murphy and Brian Breeze coming after you. Yeah, so um, I can see why Clemson is the popular pick. Um, Now, Justin Fields has had a long layoff since that Northwestern game. Maybe that'll get him right, but I don't know. I I think Clemson rolls in this game. Here's the deal, and here's where I think a lot of these Big Ten teams are screwed in bowl games is because the season was so disjointed with the on on and off again uh, game one week, no game for two weeks, and just the just the complete disjointedness of the season. Whereas I think some of these teams that started earlier were able to combat that by shuffling games around. I mean, there was no perfect season for anybody as far as uh, logistics go, but um, in the grand scheme of it, there's teams that have had smoother goes at it, and those are the teams that are a little bit more uh, running a little bit better, like watching this game right now with Wake Forest and Wisconsin, it's just a matter of Wake Forest has just been at it longer, honestly, and they've had more of a continuous season than Wisconsin has. And Wisconsin just hasn't found their groove, even though they're getting ready to score. That's got to play a role into it for Ohio State. They had they only played six games, and those six games were kind of all over the place as far as when they played them, how they played them, you know, what, what they got to do. And for a rhythm-based offense where it's a lot of RPO-based, it's a lot of catch or it's a lot of snap catch throw uh, to your first read when you disrupt that rhythm whether it's logistically where you know you're not getting continuous reps or you're getting guys that are jamming your first read and your time once your timing gets off it's ugly and what Indiana did a great job of doing what Northwestern did a great job of doing especially was not only getting pressure on Justin Fields up front but on the back end they were creating opportunities where where Justin Fields had to come off of his first read and get him in a spot where he wasn't comfortable, moving him, up, making him move within the pocket, making him scramble, knocking him down, getting hits on him where he was holding the ball longer than he wanted to and had all season long uh, last year or even in the beginnings of this season when he was racking up all those numbers. So for Clemson, they need to continue that formula. Let's If Justin Fields can get a pass off, great, let's hit him. All right, let's get some contact on him. Let's get some guys in his face. Let's let's jam Wilson and Olave. Let's, you know, let's do all of that and then not let Trey Sermon gash us for 300 yards. That was Northwestern's biggest fault. Northwestern had that game won, except for the fact that they forgot about Trey Sermon. Yeah, and I think that especially if Ohio State gets behind early it's going to be especially tough not only because they've been stronger in the run recently Mm -hmm. but also because one really underrated aspect of jk dobbins game last year was like he's really good in pass protection he's one of the better pass protecting running backs we've seen in a while sermon nor master teague are nearly that level when it comes to pass protection and And, and neither of them are the level of jk dobbins all around no, 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 no. They're they're not. They don't have quite have his explosiveness. I I think Master Teague probably matches the power 
in, in sermon. Sermon is definitely shifty, but neither of them are are have his well rounded game. No. So I think that this is going to be this is a Clemson team that seems to be peaking at the right team. They're on a mission, and it looks like we're setting up another Alabama Clemson title game, mm-hmm. which I mean. I can't say I'm like excited to watch. I mean, is it, of course it'll be a great football game, but I'm just I'm bored. I want to see someone else. I mean, we saw LSU last year, but I mean, Look, I'll be honest. Anytime you get to see Devontae Smith play football, it's okay. it's, it's fun. Th- this is true. This is true. I'll, I'll I'll give it that. You have Devontae Smith. You have Trevor Lawrence, two of the most exciting players in all of college football. Yeah, and Trev- Tra- Travis Etienne is an afterthought. And that's pretty scary. Yeah, it, it it really is. When 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 Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, Amari Rogers, Mac Jones, when those guys are the you know the third paragraph of the story, that's that's pretty impressive. But it also speaks to sort of a larger lack of parity in the game. That what what is this going to be their their like fifth meeting in the college football playoffs between that's that's the concerning part that's the part where i think you have a valid argument and that's where i think the whole ncaa needs to look at this whole bowl and playoff structure and i know it's about the money but come on like eventually that's going to run dry because a you're going to get a like these bowl games you're going to lose probably 10 bowl games off the rip just due to to opt-outs like guys, like teams not wanting to go to these bowls because they're well, playing with their so scout many teams. players. We see so many players opting out of these bowl exactly. games already. Like so many of the high level players opting yeah. out of bowl games for reasons like Even we saw last night games. in in the Texas Colorado game. Sam Ellinger got injured. Yeah, and that's going to completely affect his draft stock. I mean, it's not like he was going to be a super high draft pick anyway, but he's now gone from a guy that might, maybe was someone was going to take a flyer on him in a late round to he's almost now guaranteed to be at best a priority undrafted free agent. Georgia has eight opt outs, and I think they're in New Year's Six Bowl. Well, they are. Yeah, because if you're are. not playing in the playoff, there is you know why it does, it does why matter. why playing the game. Yeah, why play in the game? It's a, it's an exhibition game. Yeah, if, I, if I'm leaving, misses another tackle. Just, yeah, if I'm if if I'm if I'm leaving, why not just go ahead and leave? I mean, I've, I've done my you know I've done my duty, and I don't have any, and I don't blame the player whatsoever. I do not blame the player. I know there's a lot of fans that do. I certainly am not one of those. I, I don't no, blame them you, at all. You can't blame the player because to play in one game to risk your potential NFL future, your draft stock, especially. Um, because, you know, NFL players, the NFL, we all know, stands for not for long. And so that mm-hmm. initial contract, that first contract, that first signing bonus is directly tied to where you are drafted. Yep. And so if if that's going to if that's going to tank your draft stock, man, like there is if the a, risk doesn't outweigh the reward. What's opt the out. point? Yeah, yeah. Opt out. And so if you're I mean, did I think what did Ojalari opted out for you guys? Oh, right, yeah, coach? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, so for someone like Aziz Ojolari, there is no point because he—I mean—he's going to be a relatively high pick. He can only—I think he can only hurt it. I think he's pretty locked into his. I think he's a second, third rounder. Yeah. I don't yeah. think he's, he's going to get second, any, third rounder. Yeah, he's not going to get any better than that. But I think mm-hmm. he can certainly get worse. Exactly. You know, and you know, same thing for someone like Ben Cleveland, right? Yeah, Ben I mean, Cleveland has he, injuries. He's already concerns. played a trillion games as a Georgia Bulldog. Yeah, he had a great twenty-year career at Georgia. Yeah, exactly. I mean. 
He was there. I mean, I, I think he and Bill Clinton, uh, Bill Clinton entered the White <laughs> House when when Ben Cleveland entered uh, Athens. So um, let's move on to a game that's good. Well, the, I mean, the other thing, too, that messes this whole invitational up is so much of it is related to where you start the season ranked. You know, Coastal Carolina goes undefeated and the best they can get up to is 12th because they started off the radar. If you had your first poll after about six games are played and people are going, oh, whoa, Coastal's 6-0. and oh, this, is, this is a pretty good team. They're probably, you know, they're probably one of the top 20 teams in the country right now. That's going to change the complexion. Also, if you have a tournament, let's say, for whatever reason, the four teams in this current Invitational are the four best. And they each get a bye, and then there's kind of a bracket on the outside determining who they play. Yeah, another eight teams, rather, so 12 team tournament, yeah, top four teams rather, get buys. Rather than having a Notre Dame Alabama game, which feels like an afterthought, we could have Notre Dame BYU playing each other because BYU won their first game, they got in. Now we have an interesting matchup. Let's say BYU upsets Notre Dame. Well, now you have Alabama going up against BYU. And I know on the surface, that's an easy game for Alabama. They're going to steamroll them. It seems like a 14-2 type of scenario in the NCAA but, tournament. But the thing about it is the one, not the one, I talked about the four times Alabama's had a weird game this year. It's been an absurd passing day by the other team. Well, what's BYU going to do? Wilson's going to be like 400 passing yards against Alabama. That's what these other guys did. Well, hell, I dropped 400 games all the time this season. He's not going to be phased by that. Also, some of the smaller teams play these very different styles of play that the big conference teams don't always have to gear up for. Coastal Carolina plays this really interesting RPO style game, which is kind of like a triple option wrapped in a new packaging. And then they pass out of it instead of doing pitches. Tulane does a bit of that, too. Yeah, that's a tricky offense to game plan for in a week. Clemson has had a month almost to pop in a tape on Ohio State and go, oh, they're doing the exact same thing they did last year. Oh, okay, we know how to stop this. This will be easy. But if they suddenly had a quick turnaround and Clemson's going, oh, shit, that Grayson McCall kid. Okay, he's doing that. All right. So we need to have a spy. Uh, so now we're not going to have someone drop into coverage. Okay. We might have to then go zone for our coverage. We might have to change some of our coverages if we're keeping someone. You have to spot. have elite pass coverage with yeah. option rules, which is a nightmare. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, and I don't think, and like, I don't think, you know, Cincinnati or, or I don't think Notre Dame or Alabama has faced a quarterback like Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati. No, no, like who who has that really elite dual threat ability. When you watch the NCAA basketball tournament and see the biggest upsets, they tend to be when the little school does something atypical. Um, One of the best examples of this until UMBC won as the 16 seed, the closest the 16 seed had come was the Princeton offense running the Princeton offense. And Georgetown was like, what the hell is this? Why is this game going at a snail's pace? Why why is this game 
2020 at halftime. What what is going on? The other one, the very famous Florida Gulf Ghost 15 seed that made it to the Sweet 16, is they ran not an offense. They ran Lob City, Dunk City. Yeah, they ran Lob they, City, and just it, they, it was literally they ran Houston, the Houston Rockets offense, just all threes and, yeah. and and dunks, and all they were, which was completely different than what most NCAA teams are doing. Like they were, they were like some like weird hybrid of seven seconds or less and James Harden. It was, it, it, and it, they it, got out in they got out in transition. Yeah, and they and, used speed. Yeah, because it's like they, whoa, what is transition they, they, and dunks? Yeah, it was the forty it, minutes yeah. of hell. The Nolan well, no, it's, it's, no, it's not 40 minutes of hell because 40 minutes of hell was all about press defense exactly. and, and, and making life miserable for the other team that way with Nolan Richardson and those Arkansas teams. Th- Which this that was, was atypical and they won two national titles doing it. Exactly, exactly. So uh, let's get to these other New Year's Six games uh, quickly so I can go uh, get uh my head smashed in watching <laughs> Wisconsin watching Cotton Marty Bowl. Smith eat a chicken sandwich oh my god that made me so hungry <laughs> fried chicken sandwich with mayo on it oh my goodness don't even get me started like I'm gonna be very tempted to run over to Zaxby's at now at, at I'm lunch. curious do you think it had Duke's mayo on it or <laughs> I mean if, did, if did it, they cheat and put Hellman's on if, it I mean Hellman's. first of all for, <laughs> first of awesome. all Marty Smith is from North Carolina so I, I can guarantee that is Duke's mayo but also the fact that I mean, if he put Hellman's on it, that would just be such a giant middle finger to the sponsor, um, which I would applaud him for. You know, I, I I happen to like Marty Smith a lot. I think he's actually a really fantastic journalist, and he's just a unique voice in the sports media world. So, wow, someone wants to be invited to a Marty party. <laughs> I would absolutely love hey, to. Hey, we're, to a we're, Marty try, party. we're trying to get on me? the SEC network with Marty and McGee. So, are yeah, we? Keep, keep are we on. really? I don't, I don't. I don't know. I'm not just just a uh, just a M- M- guest spot. Is, I'm, I'm not here for McGee as much as I am here for Marty. But so. the show in general, I think, would just be be good. I mean, yeah, we we could. You know, I'm not definitely not going to turn that one down. Um, speaking of the SEC and the SEC Network, Florida facing off against uh, Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. That Do, is later tonight as we record. Does Florida uh, no, have an offense? Uh, no, no, Kadarius Tony. Uh, I think Trask is going to play. That's um, it, because I mean, Grimes that, is out, uh, Copeland's out, Pitts is out. Yeah, so it, it, this, I think Oklahoma's definitely going to have some opt-outs as well. It's going to be, and again, so th- this is the problem with the opt-outs, right? Not only from like a gambling perspective, we have no idea who's going to play. Like if you're if you're gambling on this game, a like you might want to uh, check into Gamblers Anonymous, and b uh, you're going to want to wait until about thirty minutes before kickoff, so you know who okay, actually right is playing back. and. And who's not playing? Um, I think we're going to see Oklahoma win this one just because they're going to have less opt outs. And I think that they have, I think the combination of Ronnie Perkins and Nick Benito is a very strong pass rush that will be able to get to Kyle Trask, who's not going to have his usual weapons. So it'll take them a little bit longer to get open. But how do you feel about it, uh, coach? I mean, it's going to be very hard for Florida to score when. I think 98% of their production is opted out um, because Kyle Trask is coming back. Well, who's he going to throw to? I don't know. Um, but, you know, defensively, what I mean, they haven't really really stopped anybody all year um, except for, like, the, the, the lesser teams. Uh, but so there's that. Um, you know, Oklahoma is just—they're playing some really good football right now. And they're, you know, Spencer Rattler's grown up a little bit, not quite as much as 
um, Oklahoma fans would like. But he's certainly a quarterback that's getting better at the game of football. I, I still think his maturity is always going to be an issue, um, unfortunately for him. I, I just think he just being on QB1, I, I think really kind of just like Tate Martell really just kind of got through his head. But um, Yeah, but the difference is that he was actually able to do at least something on the field where Tate Martell has been uh, about as big a bust we've seen that from is true. such a highly rated quarterback. That is true. In, I mean, he was undefeated in, in the at last Bishop five, Gorman, ten years. But they went against is, tomato uh, cans. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, obviously his his attitude has prevented him from being totally. you know anything that is that has a modicum of respectability. I mean, he's like a sixth string wide receiver at Miami at this point. Yeah. So what does Florida have left? They have they fired their defense coordinator, uh, so they don't have him. So they got an interim defensive coordinator. They got nobody on offense. This game is just setting up for Florida just to you no, know, they're just there to be there. Uh, Oklahoma, I think, has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, which I think favors them. Uh, so, yeah, Oklahoma uh, getting – I guess they felt like they got snubbed, uh, which, I mean, they lost two games, so I don't really call it a snub. But in their mind, they felt like they got snubbed, so there's that chip. And that's what I think is going to be the difference in this one because the opt-outs and the chip on the shoulder, I think Oklahoma – I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma blew them out, truthfully. Josh, anything to add? Well, I think uh, full strength to full strength. I would Florida say would Florida blow it out in a laugher. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, you, you guys have highlighted all the deficiencies that Florida has um, coming into this game. I think there's also um, maybe this is a fan reading too much into it, but I'm always interested with like the bowl history and like what it means to the different teams. Um, this probably is like. So on the back burner, but uh, I'm sure it pops up in Oklahoma media, which then means that it trickles down to the players and the coaches. But the Cotton Bowl was the Rose Bowl to the Southwestern Conference and the Big 12. It was the bowl to get to. And thanks to the playoffs, a Big 12 team hasn't been in this bowl game since 2015 when Baylor lost to Michigan State. It's Oklahoma's first time getting there since 2013. So I'm sure in Stillwater, they're hearing all about this amazing opportunity to play you mean, in you mean, the... You mean Norman? Norman, Stillwater. Well, let's be fair. They're going to be talking about it in Stillwater also because uh, no one cares about Oklahoma State. Um but they're going to be hearing about like, wow, we made the Cotton Bowl. This is a big deal. For the SEC, that's the Sugar Bowl. They don't really care about this game. So Florida's going into it with a, this is no different than the Cheese at Bowl. Half of our team is gone. Our defensive coordinator is gone. Maybe Kyle Trask has a personal agenda. And despite all the new weapons, he goes off. I think Kyle against. Trask is trying to... Yeah. Up is, I, I think yeah. Kyle Trask has room uh, to improve yeah. his draft stock. I don't think Kyle Trask can really get much worse. Um, he, I, I think yeah. the risk out. No, I think the reward outweighs the risk for Kyle Trask. Um, so I, I think he could probably possibly play himself into the first round uh, with with the solid yeah. game here. That's the only saving grace for Florida. Yeah. Otherwise, I think it'll be Kyle Trask will play the first half and, and be done. Uh, because Florida's getting blown out, and he's probably like, "Okay, I'm done." Put it in. Hey, uh, hey, hey, yeah. hey, coach, can I ask you something? Yeah. Um, third I would love for them and to get blown out. Third and nine from the opposing forty-one. 
mm-hmm. uh, running off tackle out of the shotgun, uh, would that be your first choice of a play call? Uh, if I'm unless I'm going for it, no matter what the situation is, um, maybe, but no. Not not a chance. <laughs> no, because uh, that's what Wisconsin just did, yeah. and it was definitely uh, not to Garrett Groshek. Gar- definitely, I, I love Gar- Garrett Groshek. Don't get me wrong; he is a seeming like a team first guy, but that is not the ideal play call to the person. That in seemed that to be situation. the most Wisconsin thing ever, though. See that? See, it'd be one thing if it was Ron Dane in the I formation, but it's not. Or if it was Jonathan Taylor, or if it was Melvin Gordon, or even Corey Clement, or Anthony Davis, or Brian <laughs> Calhoun. Who are those not guys? PJ, not PJ Hill. Not PJ Hill. Sorry, this is uh, I'm not I'm not here for PJ Hill. Uh, or Monty Ball. Garrett Groshek is none of those guys. He's not. Sorry, Garrett. No, he he he's not. Um, let's head though next to another SEC team uh, in the Peach Bowl. Uh, Georgia's going to drive down from Athens and take on Cincinnati, undefeated Cincinnati. And my question here, Coach, for you, what is Georgia's motivation in this game? Uh, To not repeat the 2018 Sugar Bowl where they got embarrassed against Texas, uh, first of all. Uh, I think this is a chance for some of the – I think this is one of those scenarios where I think a lot of the opt-outs are going to be good uh, for some – because – like at Florida, not a lot of the down the line guys played, especially on offense. Um, but a lot of the op- a lot of the opt outs are like you have an offensive lineman here, or like you know you have some defenders that are opting out, you know. But you know, offensively, you still have your offense intact, so they want to go out and showcase. JT Daniels is trying to build his draft stock, and um, he is going to obviously come back for the twenty one season. Uh, but he's still try he's trying to put that next brick down for. Uh, for his draft stock coming into the next draft. Um, you have Richard LeCount coming back off of injury. He's trying to get some tape for NFL scouts. Uh, otherwise, there'd be no no motivation for him to play. Uh, he's trying to show that he bounced back from his injury, which, no, that makes sense. He's not going to let this defense falter. Um, he's He is the true leader of this team, so he's not going to let it happen. Kirby got burned uh, against Texas. So he's not going to let it happen. The energy's been really good at practice. So, you know, as far as the motivation, I'm not really worried about the motivation. I'm worried about the experience with all the opt-outs. You know, these these defensive guys, you know, they haven't seen a quarterback like Desmond Ritter. That's the thing that worries me. It's not the fact that they're going to be unmotivated and look like they they don't want to be there. It's just that they may not be able to contain Desmond Ritter all that well. And this game could turn into kind of a shootout, which would – you know, would prove to, to everyone that Cincinnati actually does belong. And there, there goes that narrative of, well, maybe they should expand the playoffs. So, you know, that that's the thing that concerns me is the experience of playing against a player like Desmond Ritter. Josh? Yeah, I think that a lot of people are going to say, wow, you know, this is Georgia playing at home against a group of five, uh, outside a group of five team. Like, this is going to be a cakewalk, but coaches mentioned it. There's been a few opt-outs for Georgia. Eight of them. There's going to be limited capacity at the stadium if any fans allowed in. I can't remember what the... I think it's like, 20, I think it's like 20%. Yeah, so it's not going to be Georgia and Atlanta like we're used to. 
And then also, I think Cincinnati just has flown a little bit under the radar. The last this is going to be their seasons, Super Bowl. Yeah, their last three seasons: eleven wins, eleven wins, nine wins. Overall, nine and zero. Nine and zero this year. Yeah, they've won their division last year. They won their conference entirely this year, and they can't get a Big Ten team to even answer the phone. They can't get a power conference team with any aspirations for a good season to answer the phone. It's Boise State of a decade ago. Yeah, and I just like when teams feel that slighted and pissed off. And I think Cincinnati is going to treat this like their Super Bowl. I think that Georgia not seeing a quarterback like Desmond Ritter sets up very well. Um, I think Luke Fickle seems to have proven himself to be a pretty good bowl preparation coach. Um, granted, he's only had two tries here at Cincinnati, but they're 2-0. and And in both games, uh, they came out quite sharp, including last year when they absolutely annihilated Boston College. They just obliterated that team. So, um, you know... Coach, got to be honest. Uh, I'll be rooting for Cincinnati. Don't blame uh, me. One I like, bit. yeah, I like when the little guys win. Um, Don't. Blame I think it would be a bit. great capstone, and I think it'll also help destroy these playoffs we all hate. So I wish they weren't um, playing Georgia, so I could root yeah. for them too. Yeah, yeah. You, you wish they were well, playing gonna, Florida, don't you, Coach? Oh, I wish but, they I was, would, were playing Florida, and they would annihilate. Them. <laughs> I, I was going to say, Coach, can you take one on the team on the chin for us to? Uh, to get rid of the stupid playoff system? Uh, not sure that I want to do that. Okay, fair I'll, enough. I'll take a close win if that helps. <laughs> I, I don't know if that helps, but, um, you oh. know. Uh, let's then head to uh, cancel spell citrus without UT. <laughs> Auburn versus Northwestern in the Citrus Bowl. Not a New Year's Six game, but an interesting one nonetheless. Only reason I want to talk about this one, Coach or Josh, uh, Josh, I'll present it to you. I think this will be the ugliest bowl game we see all year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to wonder what uh, Auburn's interest level is. Um, the old it is who's the coaching old this? interim coach, Kevin Steele, I think, is coaching this one. I believe he is. Yeah, the old interim coach situation. Jesus Christ, Grant um, Merch can't hit a wide open tight end in the in the <laughs> end zone. This I'm. I'm yeah. I'm going to go up to Madison and drive Joe Rudolph to the freaking airport myself. This is this is just a horrendous <laughs> it's a, it's, play it's calling a game, and man. worst execution. It's oh. a bowl game. It's yeah. it's the it's the must it's the mayonnaise bowl. Don't don't I love <laughs> mayo. We've already we are, we already talked about mayo. They've already got they're already bring Oh god, don't don't get me started. Okay. Anyway, um yeah, Whenever you have the interim coach in the bowl game, you never know the interest of the players. Uh, I think sometimes if it's a coach left for a better job, those players tend to come out pretty energized and want to show the world it wasn't the coach, it was us. I think when it's a coach-fired situation like Auburn, uh, those players are just kind of going through the motions and they're like, man, what a shit season we had. And for Northwestern, you know, they don't have many bowl 
wins in their history. They don't have a glorious... Any bowl game you know, for them means something. Yeah, and especially for Fitzgerald. He's been so part of their history that he knows how special these bowl games are. Um, and I think after, you know, after coming up short in the Big Ten title game, it's weird to say because it's a noon start central time. It You know, it's the Citrus Bowl. It's over in Orlando. It's the old Capital One Bowl. It's not like the greatest bowl game in the history of bowl games, but I know how Fitzgerald operates. He's going to say, look, this is a national televised ABC game against an SEC opponent, against a team that has competed for national titles recently. And he's going to basically do the whole chip on their shoulder, us against the world. We get no respect. You know, we're the 14th ranked team in the country and Vegas is only giving us three points. Like, he's going to use all of that to get his players to be, like, locked in. And with their defense, as Matt said, this could lead to a pretty ugly result in terms of uh, maybe taking the under. Yeah, neither team has much of an offense. No, they don't. And I think the only thing going for in Auburn's favor is the fact that their uh, new head coach for these younger guys is going to be watching on. So some of these guys are playing for spots. And I don't know how this game's going to be managed. Kevin Steele, there's, you know, there, there's a whole lot of talk about Kevin Steele and how he railroaded Gus Malzahn and the he seemed to be trying to, to like he was trying to lead a coup basically. Yeah, he tried to lead a coup, and you know, what, what's the motivation behind that? Or, I mean, know, this is basically General General Suharto <clears throat> in Indonesia in 1965. Oh man, oh, that's wow. a reference. There, there, that's quite a reference. <laughs> uh, save it for the book club later tonight, Matt. Yes, that's uh, that's that's a great example, actually. That's yeah, it's it's so we don't know what side the soldiers are on. Um, are they on Kevin Steele's side? Did they want him? Are they going to play hard for Kevin Steele? Or is it a scenario where my phone rings and um, it's Kevin Steele on the line saying, hey, guys, I got these guys fired up. No. Um, is it a scenario where the guys are like, eh, whatever, let's just move on? And come out and play flat. I think it's going to be the latter. I think it's they're going to come out flat. Auburn doesn't have much to begin with. Um, I don't know how many people have opted out. Frankly, I don't care. Um, I think Northwestern is going to win this game. They may win it big. Well, I don't know if they're capable of winning a game big, but they they will win as big as they possibly can. Fiesta Bowl. Oregon versus Iowa State. People might Love be thinking, this matchup. "Oh, Oregon! You know they 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 just upset USC." Love well, this matchup. It, if you watch the game, you know upset. that the reason that Oregon won was because USC just pissed their pants in that game. <laughs> Oregon did not look fantastic by any stretch of the imagination. USC just looked like a team that got stage fright and pooped themselves. They couldn't handle the RPO <laughs> they offense. They pooped and peed themselves. They, they, they did both. They uh, they, they got rid of everything that was in their bowels during that game. That's what that style of offense will do to you. That's what that's meant to do. It's meant to put guys in a situation where they exit their bowels. Yeah, and, well, and when it's, but, but, when it's but on, the problem, it's on. The, the problem was that it was USC's offense that kept doing it. So... You know, I think Iowa State. Iowa State's got something to prove. Brock Purdy has something to prove here, Josh. He does, and I think so does Matt Campbell. Um, we've seen 
this happened now um, a little bit the last few years of having a really strong regular season end in disappointment. Um, and the last two years, it's ended in disappointment in bowl games. They lost a narrow one to Wazoo in the Alamo Bowl. And then last year, they lost to Notre Dame. They got blown out in the Camping World Bowl. Everyone remembers that one. So, you know, he's looking for his first bowl win in three years. Hasn't won a bowl since 2017. Um, he's had his third eight-win season. He's yet to crack the nine-win plateau. Um, this team won their first division title and played in their first Big 12 title game. Could have and should have won. They're angry. This is their first ever New Year's Six Bowl game. This is a great opportunity for them. Um, they uh, Brock Purdy, I believe, is from Arizona, so it's a little bit of a going home for him. And I think I just, both starting quarterbacks in this game are from Arizona, yeah, actually. Yeah, I, I just think Iowa State has a lot to prove in this one. Oregon already shocked the world once in winning the Pac-12. What's their level of interest? Well, I don't in think I don't think at the beginning game. of the season you said that would shock the world. They were the preseason favorite to win the Pac-12. They just it sh- shocked the world for me. I picked USC, and uh, <laughs> Oregon shouldn't have been in the game. <laughs> True. Well, she did won the division. True, <laughs> but it is what it is. Yeah, they. But yeah, that's another one you chalk up to twenty twenty. I, I would like to see yeah. how good this Oregon offense, or even just this Oregon team in general, would have been with a regular training camp, with a regular full season slate of games. You know, how could they have? You know, some of their you know, their two losses, I think, were games that you know, at this point in the year, they wouldn't have lost because they probably would have been in sync more. They finally kind of found their rhythm. Uh, you know, I, I guess at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how you get there. Uh, they performed one, once they got there and they won the Pac-12. So they did something right. And so, I, I you know, it, it's kind of one of those where the Big 12 did not have a disrupted season for the most part, as much as you can have in 2020. They had a lot more continuity. Oregon did not. Oregon had a very weird season, much more weird than most teams outside of well, most teams outside of the Big Big Ten. Uh, the Big Ten can and Pac-12 can commiserate because both their seasons were probably the weirdest of all time, um, as far as games on, games off, all that stuff. So chalk some of that up to that, right? So I, I think in a regular full length season, I think USC comes back down to the pack, and Oregon goes like this way. Above the pack, and I know you guys can't see my hands when I do that, but um, it, it's just one of those things where I love this matchup because I want to see if Oregon can do it against a great defensive philosophy uh, Matt, that Matt Campbell brings at, at Iowa State. He's kind of an odd front. He, his his whole philosophy is is reshaping college football defense because you're seeing a lot of teams. It's a copy football is a copycat sport. Right, we all know that. That's no surprise. Uh, but you're seeing a lot of teams go to that odd front where they move their. Um, they have three guys inside of the guards, and then everybody else is spread. So they have uh, a nose guard and then two B gap defenders uh, with their hands down, and then everybody else is playing the perimeter. They have three safeties high, 
And then everything else is, uh, I, I guess they blend coverages and do coverages based on three high safeties. So it's a very unique uh, style of lining up on defense, and they've had some great success with that. So I'm interested to see how Oregon's RPO offense does against that defensive scheme, first of all. Second of all, I'm interested to see how Brock Purdy comes out after the game he had in the Big 12 championship where just had a horrible taste in his mouth after that game because they they had they could have won that game. Probably at the end of there should have won that game. Um, but the, you know, Brock Purdy's turnovers didn't didn't help the cause. So, he's going to look to redeem himself. So, I like this Iowa State team more because they have more of a chip on their shoulder. They have more to prove to the college football world than Oregon does. Um, because they're not somebody that's typical to the top of the rankings. So they're not somebody that's that's typically in these ball games. They're going to be, and they're trying to prove that they belong year in and year out. And I think they have the staying power. They just got to show it now. All right. Finally, uh, Orange Bowl, Texas A&M, North Carolina. If not for Florida, Oklahoma, this probably would be the opt-out bowl. Uh, North Carolina is not going to have Javante Williams, uh, Chaz Surratt couple other guys uh texas a&m you never know who's going to play for them uh anything you're looking forward to here coach uh just to see mac brown versus Je- uh, jimbo fisher I-, I think these two guys are very uh you know th- they've got two very well coached teams i think jimbo fisher finally found a-, a way to get his culture set in uh in college station it took him a minute but i think he's got things going uh the way he wants them to go uh, you know, I, so it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that, how they navigate all the opt outs and, and play around all that stuff. Mac Brown, the same way. He's done a tremendous job at North Carolina. Uh, he'll find a way. I think North Carolina is going to win this game. Um, I think Mac Brown is uh, he's been in it longer. He's he's I think he's a better coach than Jimbo Fisher. And I think he's going to show um, and he had great success against A&M when he was at Texas. So he knows uh, what football means in College Station, so he kind of understands this matchup, albeit they're totally different players uh, and totally different era. But he understands the just the everything surrounding Texas A&M University. So um, I think North Carolina is going to win, Josh. I think uh, they're going to do a better job of managing all of these opt outs and managing the fact that they're not in a whatever bowl game. I think A&M still got some sting on not being involved in the playoffs, so you're either going to have a big chip on your shoulder and come out and play on fire, or you're going to completely pout, put your head between your knees and, and cry and sulk and play flat. And, Oh, we, you know, we don't care anymore, whatever. So I don't know which A&M team is going to show up, which is why I like North Carolina. Cause they're a little bit more stable. What do you think, Josh? Yeah. I'm curious about what North Carolina looks like. Sam Howell with some different weapons with those opt outs. Um, one player, I, I don't think he opted out. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, did Daz Newsom opt out for North Carolina, their senior wide receiver? I don't believe so. Yeah. He was their second leading receiver. He still had over 600 yards this season. So, um, you have Howell, an extremely good quarterback, a little hands tied behind his back, but not to the level that like Kyle Trask is. So I, I think there's some interesting potential here for the Tar Heels. Wisconsin just put in their backup quarterback to run the two-minute drill, um, who's like sort of more of like an option quarterback almost. He's a runner, Chase Wolf. What? I, I don't understand this at all. It's a tie game right now here. I Can we bring back uh, 
questionable coaching decisions. I mean, I, I think I think this entire this entire Badgers offensive season is a questionable coaching decision, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I, well, I, I, I've got a questionable coaching decision then for you. We, we've got our theories on that, but go ahead. You guys, you guys know why Iowa's bowl game got canceled, right? Uh, Mizzou got Mizzou got the Rona. Yeah. Do you know how they had a spike in their team? I didn't. I do not. The coaches let all their players go home for the holidays. I thought you were going to say Why? they brought in Dwayne Haskins as a guest speaker. <laughs> Why accept a bull invite if you're going to do that? <laughs> Wisconsin, use a freaking timeout here, please. Uh, Thank I will you. say. No, I will say. Idiots. idiots. This I, is. This is. I. I have never <laughs> seen such an inept offensive coaching job as much as joe rudolph this season can, can we can we do every podcast uh record while wisconsin is playing this is... i mean if, if if that's what you guys want to do start recording uh during the season on saturdays i mean i don't know how useful it would be for uh, if, for the good listeners did, uh what if we did uh play-by-play live play we by could play. do live shows I, I i would be okay with a live show especially if there was a wisconsin game and a georgia game and an iowa game happening at the same time we could all just be yelling at our teams <laughs> Um, I will. I was gonna say. I will th- say that Iowa uh, dragged their feet a little bit for trying to get a uh, new opponent in there, considering uh, Ference would have gotten a bonus for a bull game. Oh, at the and then top the backup quarterback finish. Then the uh, then the then the uh, backup quarterback. What does he do? He goes and throws an interception because he threw into double. He tried to throw a fade into double coverage. I'm where does where does Cone go? You think when he uh, Cone's transferring? Uh, my guess is they got a pipeline to Florida State. So does he go to Florida State? <laughs> no. Um, he was. He, here's my hot take. If Ian Book goes pro, he's going to Notre Dame. He was originally Ooh. committed to Notre Dame to play lacrosse, and so <laughs> there's I think, no way Ian Book comes back. So I my hot take is Jack Cone to Notre Dame. You heard it here first. That's not really a hot take. That's actually possible. I don't know. I mean, hot takes can be possible, can't they? I thought hot takes were like ridiculous. Are I mean, they, 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 yeah, but they have to be rooted in some sort of possibility. Well, I mean, there's a possibility he could transfer anywhere. Yeah, there's a possibility he could transfer to Georgia and take JT Daniels' job. I don't think that's going to happen. Now, that would be a hot take. Well, here, here's, here's a hot take. He's from... Long Island. Long Island. Long Island. He's from Long Island. He loves he iced go, teas. He wants to go back to his home state. Syracuse? He he enrolls in the army. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I don't see I don't I don't see Cone running uh the Munkin offense there. I thought we oh, were going okay. like Monmouth or or Rutgers. Stony Brook? Stony Brook. Okay. He feels Albany. very patri- feels very patriotic this offseason, and he enlists. He goes to West Point. <laughs> there we go. Well, there you have it. I think on that note, we're going to wrap it up here, guys. Unless you have anything else to talk about. Yeah, I, I don't no. think we ever affi- did. We did we officially <laughs> talk about Auburn and Brian Harson? I can't. No, remember. we didn't. Uh, yeah, it's like, should we? Yeah, let, 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 let's give let, let's do let's do three minutes on it. Brian Harson, as far as I'm concerned, uninspired choice by Auburn. I think it shows how far the program has fallen. He has no history in the SEC. He has very little history in the Southeast. He, had, he was head coach at Arkansas State for one season, and honestly, uh, Boise State has gone backwards under Harson. 
and I don't think that this was a good call at all. I might be completely wrong here, but he I'm... was completely off their radar. Um, but I, I think if you really kind of look at it, what he did early on at Boise, you know, I, I think he's one of those like we needed to hire somebody. We spent all our money firing Gus Malzahn. He did well early on at Boise. Because so maybe, he had Chris, he had Chris Peterson's like foundation to build on. Well, like, yeah, he did the same in Arkansas State with Gus's players. So, follow me here. He's gonna <laughs> he's gonna do that with Gus's players at Auburn, and then when it's when they finally get enough money to to get like a big name, they will get rid of Harson and hope that he's built their program up to a respectable point to where somebody big. But he's not a program builder. Like Bill Belichick. He's not a builder. That's the thing. He's not a builder. Ruth can come in and, and go. Yeah, I don't know. What are they going to do? Resurrect the corpse of Bear Bryant? Pat die. Um, no, I, I. No, I don't know. I this. I mean, this is a very odd hire. Ray Goof. Uh, Ray Goof, definitely Ray Goof. Um, he's looking for a job. So is Jim Donnan. Um, but you know, it's so far out of the radar. You scratch your head, but. What if, like, what if... I mean, was it as out of the radar as ULM hiring Terry Bowden? No. Because that was that was the most ridiculous hiring of the season, even that more was, so than Jed Fish going to Arizona. Yeah. I think the, 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 so the who Terry, did it worse, Arizona or Auburn? I'm going to go Auburn because Jed Fish, at least from what I understand, has a ton of connections. Um... I, I, Harson just, it makes no sense to me geographically, culturally, or otherwise. I do not understand this hiring. We should have Jake Crane on to talk about that a little bit more. He's really locked in there on he, Auburn. He did, a, he did a pretty good breakdown on he, Harson, which he, is. He, he did. He did. I, and he's definitely higher on him than we are. So, um, Josh, what do you yeah. think? Yeah, I mean. I think it's telling. I went over to the uh, Boise State message boards and none of their fans were really broken up about it. Um, I think, you know, you look at his recruiting and he was a better recruiter than Chris Peterson. Um, I would say. Here, no, so here's what I'm going to say. Was he a better recruiter or was or were our recruiting services finally catching up to the guys that they were bringing in? Maybe. I don't know. But let's let's, for the benefit of the doubt, say he's a. B plus recruiter and maybe with Auburn being in the SEC he even nudges himself up to an A minus recruiter um can he develop though yeah the thing is he seemed kind of like a average coach on game day a C coach um Chris Peterson's flipped he's an A coach C recruiter and you just look at who had a better career and if you're wondering well you know for the average fan, they're probably wondering, whoa, whoa, whoa. This Harrison guy, 69 and 19, 45 and 8, won three conference titles, uh, won the division three other times, uh, finished ranked four times at Boise State. Um, this is just at Boise State. I'm not even including his Arkansas State single season where he also won the conference. But were, were, were they not favored every single year to well, win the conference? The they were favored every year. But here's here's the thing. When you see, you know, 10 wins, 11 wins, 10 wins, 12 wins, you got to look at how that season actually played out. So, like, for instance, this year, they take on BYU, their marquee game. They get obliterated. They weren't in the same class as BYU. That's on Harrison. 
they lose by two touchdowns to upstart San Jose State. That's on Harrison. A year ago, a really good team again, 12-2, and 8-0 in conference. Well, what did they do outside of conference? They lost a narrow game to BYU, who wasn't very good last year, for those of you that remember that. And then they get obliterated in their bowl game. They lose by 31 to Washington in their bowl game. That's on Harrison. I don't remember Chris Peterson ever losing bowl games by 31 points. 2018, 10-3, 7-1. How'd they do? Well, they lost to San Diego State. Very good team. They lost to Oklahoma State. In fact, they got obliterated by Oklahoma State. And then in the conference title game, they lose to Fresno State. We don't have to worry about their bowl game. It was weirdly canceled a few years ago. And then just for the last sample size, 2017, 11 and 3, 7 and 1, won their bowl game, ended nationally ranked. But what did they do? Well, they lost at Washington State. Okay, that was a triple overtime game. But then they lost to Virginia. They got blown out by Virginia. We weren't used to seeing them lose two Power Five games in the season. Well, especially to and like mid level yeah. Power Five teams. It's one thing if you're yeah. it's one thing if you're playing Alabama. It's a yeah. completely different thing if you're playing yeah. uh, if, if you're if you're playing Texas Tech or something like that. Yeah. And then end of the season, they're locked into Fresno State playing them in the title game. And they did the weird thing where the week before they played Fresno State, that was their finale, and then they played Fresno State the following week for the title game. And okay, maybe it was good gamemanship for the title game, but they Stunk it up. They lost 28-17, played totally uninspired, blew any chance they had at getting to a good bowl game by losing their third game of the season. And yes, they bounced back and beat Fresno a week later, and then they did knock off Oregon in their bowl game. But I, I don't know. That seems... I don't think Nick Saban's taking a week off. I, I don't think that's what... Um, Isn't that Belichick's really motto, want, no days off? Yeah, I don't think that's really what you want your coach to do. To be like, well, we got the rematch set in stone. I would I would almost rather totally embarrass Fresno State the week before and then make Fresno State super nervous that entire week going, oh my God, we just lost 56 nothing to this team. Now we got to play them again. What the hell? They're way better than us. But he went the opposite way. So it's just... It's just kind of weird. I think the proof in the pudding for Brian Harrison will be what kind of money does Auburn open up for his assistants and what assistants can he get? Um, I used Clemson and Iowa as an example in the text thread. Tell you guys here on the air about it. And basically, I told Matt and Corey that if you flip Kirk Ferentz and Dabo Sweeney, Clemson is probably still in the college football playoff and still a national title contender. But I don't think Iowa makes much of a leap. If you switch the coordinator staffs, I think Clemson's incredible talent will still get them to probably the ACC title game, but maybe they don't knock off Notre Dame in the, in the rematch. But for Iowa... You switch all those coordinators and keep Kirk Ferentz and keep the talent. I think Iowa plays Ohio State in the Big Ten title game and maybe knocks them off. 
that's how much these coordinators matter. So I think Brian Harrison is a C average higher, but if his coordinators are phenomenal, it could turn into being something good and we'll see. That's where the proof in the pudding comes from. I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it's got to be, it's it's going to be based on who he surrounds himself with, um, because if he can get some guys that know the area, that helps with recruiting. I mean, he's got ties to Texas. He was uh, he was at Texas for a little bit. I mean, he he's got a little bit of time, but I mean, even at Boise, he did like he came east some, but. Yeah. I think if he, I think if he hits home runs with his offensive defensive coordinators and obviously his strength guy, who's going to spend the most time with the players than anybody anybody else in that program, I think if he nails those three hires, then it's going to turn from C plus to now you're going to look at an A level hire because, well, he surrounded himself, he built a good staff, um, but in and of itself, I think it's very underwhelming. But I think there's some potential there that if he makes the right coordinator hires, I think Shane Beamer's doing a good job building his staff. Um, I think he's got some guys in place that, that I think will, I mean, he's doing things very decisively. He's got a plan. He's got conviction. That's going to help him. I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're immediately SEC East contenders, but you know, I I think that he's heading in the right direction. Um, Whereas Harson hasn't really done anything since he got hired. Um, And I don't know, if he's trying to evaluate the staff after this game, I, I I don't know what he's just, I don't know where his process is. And I don't know if it got so far down the, down the path that, you know, Shane Beamer went out and got the South Carolina job. Harson, yeah. I think just took the Auburn job by default almost. So I don't know if that, if he had a plan, I think the one thing he's got going for him is he's been in the head coaching seat. So maybe there's not quite steep of a learning curve there, but you know, you just got to figure out. You just got to scratch your head. The whole process was embarrassing, first of all. So, you know, but it wasn't Tennessee level bad. They at least got a head coach and not a coordinator. So, I um, guess that's good. You know, it reminds me of um, two things. First, um, when Chris Peterson left, B- Boise State stayed about the same, but a, a tick down. Yeah. And you go, oh. The program got a little bit worse. So we know right away that Brian Harrison's not as good a coach as Chris Peterson. Right. It reminds me of these two things. When Iowa hired Todd Licklider, people were super excited. The Butler program had been great under Thad Mata. It stayed really good under Todd Licklider. And then Todd Licklider proved to be a terrible coach. And his replacement is the current Boston Celtic coach. And they Brad were back to back runner ups, yeah, in college basketball. And it was, oh, right, we didn't get the best assistant. Bringing it to football, it makes me think of the Cincinnati program. Mark D'Antonio, really good there. He goes off to Michigan State and is great. Cincinnati then hires Brian Kelly. He makes Cincinnati even better. And then Notre Dame hires him, and he's been pretty dang good at Notre Dame. Brian Kelly's replacement, Butch Jones. Kelly was an 850 win percentage. Butch Jones was 622. So right away, you know Butch Jones isn't as good a coach. Tennessee hires him. Turns out to be a disaster. Well, what happens to Cincinnati? Cincinnati hires Tommy Tuberville. Tuberville 
has almost the identical record as Butch Jones as Cincinnati. So with Brian Harrison, are you getting the Brian Kelly or are you getting the Butch Jones? And that's what uh, Auburn is desperately waiting to see. And they're getting the Butch Jones. I think, yeah, that's, fair I think that's pretty evident. So uh, one last thing, Brett Bielema to Illinois. Anyone? I love Anyone? it. I, I think I like it. I, yeah, I, 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 like I think it. I think it's about as good as a hire they're going to get. So I mean, he's from the state of Illinois originally. He is a very seasoned Big Ten coach, and as a Badger fan, he's he would not have been my first choice for them because I think that's going to make them way more competitive. He's going to bring some bully ball back to Illinois, and we haven't seen we haven't seen a really good. We saw like one one good year with the Zucker, the the Juice Williams season where they went to the Rose Bowl. And aside from that, I mean, what it's been since the early '90s, probably that Illinois was like truly relevant in the Big Ten. Kurt Kittner was that was before that, where they went to the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, uh, so LSU in the Sugar Bowl. It's got been destroyed. It's been, it's been a minute since Illinois was really relevant. You know, Bielma is still a relatively young coach. Um, got a hot wife. Know. Are they still married? I thought they got divorced. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Neither I mean, I don't would know. surprise me. I, I mean, also, it's just it's good to have it's good to have Burt back in our lives just for the memes. So, well, well, here's the here's the thing about Bielema. I mean, he's been out since you know Arkansas obviously didn't work out. Although, when you look back on it, he had three winning seasons and two and one in bowl games. He wasn't. It started rough. It ended rough, but it wasn't the biggest disaster that people think it oh, was. Oh, no, but it here, was not a disaster here, by any means. I mean, yeah. look what happened after. Look at Chad Morris. Yeah, yeah. Here, here's what uh, happened at Wisconsin, for those of you that don't remember, because I cannot believe it was 2012 was his last season at Wisconsin. But 66-24, and 37-19, three conference titles, uh, two Rose, or excuse me, three Rose Bowl appearances. He only coached in two of them. Um, ended ranked every year but one. He was a really good Big Ten coach, and he got a little Christmas present in that Brandon Peters announced he's coming back for his sixth college season thanks to the weird COVID rules. So I think that this is a really good hire for Illinois. Um, is stealing something from Bill Simmons. When Bill Simmons talks about like an NBA player who's not spectacular, but you can trust, he calls them a professional basketball player. Brett Bielema is a professional coach. He's going to keep Illinois competent. Now, if he's and that's able what they to, need. yeah, and if he's able to hit some home runs in recruiting, the West is kind of wide open with what we've seen these last few years. So, the ceiling it feels like a very high floor, but an also very high ceiling higher. Yeah, I I think that it is pretty darn good um i think him and shane beamer have been the two best hires of this coaching carousel i can't really think of anyone else that really jumps off the page to me i mean i think clark lee is a is a solid b plus for vanderbilt but i think the shane beamer and brett bielema are are in the close to the a minus range yep and then harson and fish are in the c plus at best i i think i think i'll take harson for me is a c to c minus fish is a c plus and 
We haven't had any other really notable hires, I don't think. Butch Jones to Arkansas State and Blake Anderson to Utah State. Yep. So, Butch all right, guys. Well, I think I think we're gonna I think we're gonna with that wrap it up here today, so I can watch second half of the Badgers. Hopefully, do something. So, uh, until next time, uh, after our New Year's Six games, we'll be back for a complete bowl wrap up and a preview of the national title game. On behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook. De facto Music City Bowl champions. In Chicago, Illinois, uh, this is the professor in the Music City saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Not see you next time. See you next year. <laughs> Whoa. You're that guy. Yeah. I had to. <laughs>